being a character designer that's been watching cartoons for 29 years and this is like the first character I can think of that looks like my little sister and me. That's really important and it's important to give people those situations where they're like, that character looks like me and I haven't really seen this before. Hello and welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Micah Scherf. She is a Filipina Dutch artist working as a character designer for Nickelodeon in Burbank, California. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, hello. I am Micah Scherf. I am 0% your host, and I am a character designer at Nickelodeon right now. Um, I've been working in the industry since 2017. Uh, I started my first full-time job at Cartoon Network, I think like May or June 2017, uh, and I've been here ever since, and it's really fun, and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a fun little game called In Between. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we are going to give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Improv. Here we go. No, it's not improv. Zip, zap, zap. <laughs> zip, zip. Am I doing it? <laughs> You're doing it absolutely correctly. <laughs> zip, zap, zap. All right, I won. We don't even have to do the game. No, I'm just kidding. I'm down. Let's do it. All right, let's start with the first question. Would you rather be stopping crime and saving the world on a weekly basis alongside Sam, Alex, and Clover from Totally Spies or alongside Kim Possible and Ron Stoppable from Kim Possible? Kim Possible, literally not even a question. (laughs) Next, next. (laughs) Come on, don't throw softballs. Challenge me, Ray. Come on. (laughs) Do you just like the cargo pants? Like, why? Well, first of all, they have an animal sidekick. So, naked mole rat. And I noticed you didn't. You didn't mention the naked mole rat. So I I, I did refuse to mention Rufus. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I think I think uh, Kim Possible and like Steven Silver, who was the person who designed her and also like helped design with Danny Phantom and everything. um, That was much closer to like the artistic style that I was really into. But just besides that, I thought she was so cool. I got green cargo pants. Because Kim Possible had green oh, cargo so really pants. <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. I literally got green cargo. Like I had my mom buy them for me. And I felt so cool. Oh, you are. Um, cool. I would draw her all the time. Aww. You know, I feel like I feel like I was really excited to get a phone so I could answer it and say like, "What's the sitch?" But then once I got a phone, like that wasn't cool anymore but i did when i was a kid i did have like dreams of answering my phone like that that's so cute i think i did at one point change my ringtone to the you know and i was like okay that's a sophisticated nod to impossible no that's that's fine i know when i i know when i got my first cell phone i changed it to the pie ranger communicator like the Nice, but, nice. Yeah, but um, but yeah. What's stopping you now from saying what's the sitch? I feel like that's a that's a cool I way could. of answering the I, phone. I, I could like circle back, and yeah. you know, could you pretend you just called me again for the podcast? Could you? Okay. Can we? Can um, we go ring, into a fantasy? Ring, oh, ring, 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 ring. What's the sitch? Oh. Ooh, ooh, that felt good. <laughs> we want you to be on the podcast. Are you down? <laughs> Which boarding house would you rather live in? The Sunset Arms from Hey Arnold or Foster's from Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends? Oh, 
Oh, you did throw a hard ball. This is a lot harder than the last one. <laughs> I don't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Um, I think. Oh, I guess Foster's. But oh, yeah. Hey Arnold holds such a near and dear place to my heart. Like, if you could say I could kick Arnold out and steal his room. And, like, be in the, the, the sunroom. If I could be in that sunroom. 100% Hey Arnold. Like, if he didn't exist and it was called Hey Micah, then I <laughs> would choose that one. <laughs> That'd be so cute. But if I'm not if I'm not allowed to kick him out of his own room and take it for myself, then I think I would choose Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Like, that, I mean, that place is so fun. All the colors everywhere. The design of the house is so gorgeous. Those are my demands. If you can't meet them, then I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> Square, we're done. <laughs> cool. Excellent, excellent. Awesome answers. Good choices. Thank yes. you. Okay, so let's let's actually get into this. Tell us about your day-to-day job working as a character designer for the Casa Grandes. It's it's interesting. Back in the office, there were a lot more meetings and everything. I might like pop into my art director's office a couple times a week to show him work or do check-ins. But now in lockdown, since we're working from home, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I get my assignment on a Friday and I pretty much just have two weeks to do it uh, until the next Friday. I turn it in and I get a new one. Um, so I have to be pretty self-managed, which has its, you know, drawbacks and its positives. I do kind of miss that office setting, but for the most part, I get an assignment, do it, and I turn it in two weeks later. Yeah, so I'll get I'll get a handout uh for an episode on a Friday, and I'll have two weeks to do the whole episode, roughs and cleans. Usually it's like one week for roughs, and then my art director checks it, and then another week for cleans. And the breakdown of the assignments is usually like some special poses, some dress dress-ups of characters, Mm. and then pretty infrequently, actually, it's designing brand new characters, which is funny because you go into character design thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to make so many new ones. But the reality is, you know, with TV, it's so fast paced. You don't have enough time to be making 10, 20 brand new characters every single episode. It's actually a lot of reuses, dressing up those reused characters so that when it is sent to be animated, they already have existing rigs and they can, you know, animate it based off of the puppets they've already built. If we were making brand new characters every single week, we just wouldn't have enough time both to design them and then have the animators create new rigs. So it's a lot less character design and more like special poses and uh, costumes. Oh, wait, is the costume? Casa Grande is rigged? Is it rigged animation? Yeah, it's yeah. a Toon Boom Harmony. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we use yeah. Um, Jam Filled up in Canada. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So like, you already touched on a bit the role of a character designer in a TV-specific pipeline. Can you talk about like also, like I guess what's your thought process when you are making like special poses for a character or when you have to dress the character up and maybe some special clothing? Like for example, there's like that Lucha episode where they needed the Lucha mask or mm-hmm. maybe there'll be an episode where they go to a dance and they might need a different attire. So can you talk about your thought process when making those choices for those characters? Yeah, so with special poses, the storyboard artists will push the characters as much as they can draw a really funny pose and then if it's wacky enough or if it's pushed enough where like this does not look 
anything like the model and it's an especially good pose or we need to hold on it for a while, they will call it out as a special pose and I get that drawing and I need to pull it back, put it on model so that it works in the show, but then sometimes find ways to push it where it still feels like the Casa Grandes, but it still communicates the idea that they were trying to get across in their storyboard. Mm-hmm. So it's a really unique puzzle. You'll see like they will they will make arms like three times longer than they actually are or, you know, a facial expression that just completely breaks the rig. And it's my job to make sure it doesn't look too out of place. And I'll, I'll reel it back, make it Casa Grandes, but still keep it really funny or really extreme. It's actually quite a puzzle to get that and have it look good. And it's really mm. fun. I really love mm-hmm. a good special pose. And then for dress ups and costumes, I'll pull some references and, and try to get like, you know, an authentic costume or a clever one or one that's not just like a first Google image result type of mm-hmm. association. And then I might do a couple different versions and just send them over to my art director and ask which one looks the best. That's if I have enough time. If if I'm kind of like short on time, I might, you know, just do one and just kind of hope that it works works uh, but I usually <laughs> like to yeah I usually like to give a few different options it's fun but yeah like what about the costuming aspect of it yeah with costumes I'll just try to get the best reference I can do something unique or even I might take a storyboard that's like a certain costume and I can tell like because storyboarders don't have a lot of time They'll just mm-hmm. kind of do the fastest read or the first idea that pops into their head. And I think it's, you know, my mm-hmm. idea to work with my art director to make it authentic or I also don't want to like no no heat on no heat on the storyboarders or anything. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, 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 sure. you're, you're but yeah. Good. Yeah, storyboard is really, really fast paced sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, the most just, important part is to communicate the story visually and making sure that the composition's there, the pacing's there. And sometimes, yeah, there's other things have to kind of fall on the wayside to get to meet the deadline, especially in TV. Well, yeah, and y'all, y'all aren't the character designers, and yet, you know, sometimes in some aspects of the job, you are kind of forced into that role. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's our job to take those initial ideas and kind of give them more depth, more flavor, and kind of take it to the next level. At least on on Craig, I don't know, is is Casagrande's uh, like a script driven or board driven show? Would you say? Do you know? Uh, it's script driven, and Craig okay. of the Creek was board driven. Yeah, so like on Craig of the Creek, because it was board driven, a lot of the times when I when I talked to the character designer there, he was like, "Oh yeah, usually it's more the storyboard artists that actually design characters, and then yeah. they take it and then put it back into the style." That's still sort of a thing, even though Casa Grande is, is script driven. Like, do the board artists come back with uh, new character design? Yeah, so I I didn't character design on Craig, but I did see what mm-hmm. how it went down. And what would happen often is because it was board driven, they would come up with characters and stories and they would usually do a little sketch or an idea of mm-hmm. what they wanted that character to be like and then the character designer would design it properly in the style afterward. But on Casa Grandes, it works a little bit differently. Um, I think they try to get around that because, you know, like you can't pile every single job onto the storyboarder, which Mm -hmm. is unfortunately kind of what tends to happen. So the director and the art director, and then sometimes a character designer, we will look at scripts before they're ever even handed out to boarders and do some pre-design. Sometimes, for example, we will want to have a celebrity voice actor Mm -hmm. and so what happens behind the scenes I think they call it a stunt casting 
So what'll happen is I'll get a message from my director or art director saying, hey, we're interested in this celebrity. Can you draw them in the style? Can you do some previs or viz dev showing them as this character or in this role? And then mm-hmm. I'll do stuff like that. We'll show it to the celebrity. And usually they say yes, because it's awesome. And then <laughs> once, you know, once they do the voice and once it's boarded and everything, the boarders will have that previs to work off of. Mm-hmm. And then they therefore mm-hmm. they have a design to go off of. And even for, for characters that aren't like celebrities, but they're going to play a big role and should be designed beforehand. The director, art director and character designers will usually go in beforehand so that the boarders have something to work off of, which I think is yeah. a really smart, good step to do i don't have as much experience so i'm not sure if they do it on every show but i'm really glad that they do that a lot on the casa grandes so you're currently at nick correct Mm -hmm. and then one of the things that you actually got a chance to kind of be involved with was the nick animation 101 youtube series can you talk a little bit about that and like what that kind of meant for like uh people watching and then kind of the industry that's actually kind of interesting so i was approached by director of people and culture amy Wu. so she reached out to me saying like hey do you want to do like a character design q a for this like live speaker series so i said yes we had also invited tyler hoberstein hoberstein oh i'm sorry tyler i've never said your last name out loud if you're hearing this, uh, but he, he was also there. He was going to help answer questions with me. And we were just going to do a live Q&A with the audience. And then on the pre-Zoom, like 15 minutes before, they were like, OK, so you're going to do a lecture on how to character design, how to put a portfolio together. Oh, well. and I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't have anything like what? Uh, I And it was just a miscommunication. I thought it would be a Q&A. So I was mm-hmm. just going in with nothing prepared. And they thought it was going to be like a two hour our lesson (laughs) and there were 2,000 people RSVP'd I found that out (laughs) while I was so um I did the video and I uh, actually referenced this Google Doc that I made which is like everything I know about character design and how to put together a good portfolio so I I just pulled that up and I was just kind of going through that and explaining it to everybody and then as I was going through I remembered things and I was just like you know putting out tips on the fly and I guess it was really helpful because the team took that and they made two separate videos um, like a how-to character design and how to portfolio so those were actually like taken and and spliced up from that kind of impromptu class that I taught with Tyler just about you know everything I know about design and portfolios and everything so that's that's pretty much how this experience behind that was I'm sure that's not the answer you were expecting but uh basically I was in a wild panic for 15 minutes and then I just had to regain my composure and uh, teach thousands of people. Oh my <laughs> yeah, I just like I I'm almost glad, though, because had I known I would have spent, you know, a couple weeks just being terribly anxious about it. Mm. So I think the fact that it was, you know, impromptu uh, made it a little bit better. Because I, I think I ended up giving some pretty good advice. I've had people email me and thank me for that. And I'm like, oh. good. I'm glad. <laughs> so the Nick Animation Series is a thing you did, but it seems like you're actually doing quite a few different things right now. I know you're freelancing for a few different companies. How do you find the time to balance full-time and freelance? And then can you also talk about like how you've acquired these freelance opportunities? The first question, how I balance it, I think uh, a worldwide pandemic helps. Um, 
in normal in normal times, I don't think I'd be saying yes to as much freelance, but because all we're doing is being inside, I, I don't feel too bad saying yes to a lot of things and trying things out and kind of pushing myself. It's almost like having somebody pay you to work on your portfolio. It's like, I wish I could get better at story so I could land more story gigs. Oh, I landed some story revisions freelance and now I'm I'm working on an actual production and making my portfolio better and, and training, but it's also freelance. It feels pretty wild. I, I feel very lucky I really, really try to stick to a schedule. I think with freelance, time management is so key. So Mm -hmm. I'll, you know, pick, all right, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. or whatever. I am just doing my Casa Grande's job. And I I have to write down things like, you know, this is when I'm going to take a lunch. This is what I'm going to work on this day. And each of my days is planned out like a week in advance because otherwise it would all pile up and then it would all be due in the same day and I wouldn't know how to handle it. Mm. So yeah, time management, I think just very meticulous anal notes in a planner, (laughs) you know, that's key. Otherwise, focus on doing your day job really, really well. uh, Mm Because outside of the artistic skill, I think the time management skill is just as important when you're doing freelance. While I was at Cartoon Network, I did not get any freelance at all. You know, I wanted to try getting some and it felt like my coworkers were like, would you do this weekend? Oh, I was freelancing. I was like, oh, how come nobody's freelancing me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I had a friend of mine ask the development department if they could reach out to me and have me help out with their props and effects on a short slash pilot they were doing. And so that was my very first time getting freelance. And it was really cool because it was on this super secret thing, which still isn't even out or announced. Mm -hmm. And, And it was like, oh my gosh, I'm being invited to work on this thing that's like the forefront of animation. Like these shorts are the things that get put out. And then depending on how they do, those are the next big cartoons. Mm -hmm. So that was super, Mm -hmm. super exciting. I was really nervous about doing a good job. So I did all my work really fast and really well and organized. And I tried to make a really great impression on the art director of development over at Cartoon Network, Paula Spence. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. And after I did that first one, I think they saw that I was really hardworking and fast and very enthusiastic about development. Um, To this day, I still think it's the most interesting and creative department you can be in. You know, just making the brand new Mm -hmm. lineup Mm -hmm. of of animated shows, like that is so fun to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I made a great impression. And then they invited me back to do another one. And then another one and another one. Um, so I've, I've definitely helped out a lot with development over at Cartoon Network. And I think all of my resulting freelance at other places, it's just they reach out because somebody recommends you or they found you through Twitter or something. I've had both things happen to me. Mm-hmm. And once you get that initial contact, making a really great impression so that they continue to freelance you is the way to go. I think that that also happened with me on Big City Greens. You know, they actually initially reached out to a friend of mine who couldn't do it. And so they recommended me instead. And then after I did some work on Big City Greens, Amphibia asked them if they needed revisionists. And then so then I was recommended to Amphibia. It works like that, you know? I, I didn't end up um, doing the Amphibia job because there was a lot <laughs> going on. But mm-hmm. like it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot lot of word of mouth stuff and and people recommending other people, which is hard because if you want to get your foot in the door, mm-hmm. it's like a weird catch 22. But I think being really friendly and communicating to people either through social media or in real life, 
like communicate your goals and um, say to everyone, you know, like whether it's changing your name on social media to like Micah looking for freelance or like your bio or your pinned posts or whatever, really communicating that. And then after that, it's just people reaching out or people recommending other people. I wish there was like a better secret formula, but the fact is it's usually like a production that suddenly finds themselves with a need and it's just kind of word of mouth. They'll find somebody or they've heard of somebody through somebody else. Yeah. Like you say, for freelance, it makes sense because when you're looking for a more like full-time position, when you hire them, you have the luxury of training them and then bringing them on and like making sure that they integrate into the whole process. But if you're looking for a freelancer, it's really just to kind of fill like a temporary hole. So yeah, looking for someone reliable. Yeah. And so usually it's, it's more like, Who's done it? Who do you know? Does anybody know anybody? And then, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you have been telling your friends and putting on Twitter, like, I'm looking for freelance, you might be the first person that pops into their mind. Like, oh, Micah said, you know, she was mm-hmm. looking for, you know, the friend that recommended me to Big City Greens. They knew I was interested in story and I had been helping out with story revisions on Casa Grandes. And so they were like, oh, I know Micah has has an interest in that. I'll say that real quick. Yeah, I feel like that always tends to be the case. But like, that's the industry. Yeah. Although I have had a little bit of luck. I've I've been following a few animation job posting pages for a few commercial houses and, and kind of smaller studios. They have open applications for if you're interested in freelance or they'll say, hey, we're hiring for so-and-so. And if I see that, I'll usually just throw my name in there with a generic, hey, my name is Micah. I'm interested in freelance design opportunities. And those have actually ended up resulting in a few freelance things as well. So just finding general application emails and putting your stuff forward, I think helps a lot. So you brought it up already, but to kind of dive deeper into one of your first experiences was working as a prop and effects designer for Craig of the Creek. Can you talk about how your experience on that show and like what you learned in that role? Yeah. So that was my very first big girl job in animation. (laughs) Um, I was so, so nervous. Anyone who is holding off on applying to things, you know, because you feel like you're not ready, just go for it. You will never, ever feel ready. And I definitely did not feel ready when I got my first assignment. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I have tricked these people. They are making a huge mistake. But, you know, I adopted that fake it till you make it policy and I just did my best. I... (laughs) I did not realize how fast you have to draw in order to work in TV. When I was in school studying visual development, you know, we would have weeks, sometimes months to work on a project and we would just go at this leisurely pace, you know, I'll do some research here and I'll do a hundred different concepts. And there's merit to that too, like really, really, truly diving deep into a project. Mm -hmm. But in TV, you just don't have that luxury. It's like, here's 50 designs and it was do yesterday, you know, um, <laughs> you really have to hit the ground running. So on Craig of the Creek, I would have one week to do my roughs and cleans. So it's pretty different than how it is on Casa Grande's now. And um, the prop count could be anywhere from like 20 clean props to mm-hmm. 80 clean props. And I would just have a week to do it. I was really fortunate that they understood if I needed freelance or if I needed extra help, they were totally down to help me out with that. So I never felt like I was like too overwhelmed. I'll, I'll take that back. At the beginning, I felt really overwhelmed because I didn't know <laughs> I could ask for help or communicate mm-hmm. those things. I, I kind of took it on all by myself and just drew really fast. It was like a drawing boot camp. 
camp. And now, I mean, I think back to those assignments that I, I wouldn't have any trouble with them at all because of how it trained me. Mm-hmm. It just makes you very confident with, with really strong lines. And when you have to go that fast, you don't have time to overthink and you just have to trust your sensibilities and trust the training that you've had that led you up to that point. And I'm really thankful for that because at, you know, at SJSU, we have training and perspective, all the fundamentals. I, I did so many dang cubes and still lifes. And at the time I was like, <laughs> Why? Why am I doing this? But it creates like a muscle memory almost. And and when you have to draw other props or other things, you know, for a job, you've already done so many inanimate objects and you've filled so many sketchbooks that it, it comes naturally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. I loved, you know, every minute of being on Craig of the Creek. I learned so much about being a fast, good designer and great draftsman. But I also just learned how warm and friendly and and wonderful people in this industry are. We would just laugh all day long. You know, I I say. (laughs) Sure would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. You were there. Oh, my gosh. Yuki was our our intern. Um, So you've seen it. Like, (laughs) it's it's wild. It feels like you're going in and hanging out with your friends. And then you remember, oh, yeah, I have work to do. Like, that's (laughs) literally how it felt over there. It was bizarre, but I love it. I mean, well, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Even though I was like, you know, stressed out about doing a good job, I did do a good job. And and then I just realized like, wow, animation is the place to be. Like it, you'll never find anyone as funny or warm and skilled, you know, as you do in animation. It's ridiculous. To kind of go into like the technical of what you were doing as a prop and effects designer, were you ever familiar with like effects before you went in? Because like props is, we do a lot of still lives and drawings and stuff. So that seems natural, but like effects is its own beast. So was there yeah. anything that you had to learn or do to do that job? Everyone lean in close and huddle up. Ready? <laughs> I had never done a single effect before working on Craig of the Creek. <laughs> <laughs> I had literally never designed effects before. I did not know how to do it. I had gotten a, a test to do props and effects and there was a splash in it. And I drew this splash with like probably a million little drips and like color shifts and highlights in every individual drop. There's no way anybody could take a pencil and animate that thing that I mm. designed in my initial test. So I honestly am pretty floored that I got the job. <laughs> um, but I did. And I, you know, I adopted that fake it till you make it because I had no idea what I was doing. And the show is called Craig of the Creek. So you can bet your ass there was a lot of water that I had to design. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I learned on the job what I would do is... Uh, there's a there's an anime effects website called It's Sakugaburu. Somebody on the show recommended that to me and whenever I had an effect I would pretty much search any effect I had in that website and mm. I would just like go through frame by frame and figure out like how did they do this like what does that look like I also bookmarked a few like really great effects designers that are already in the industry um I looked up like the effects of the Iron Giant and I would mm. study those and that you know I have mm-hmm. a, a friend of mine who's really great at effects Ben Ravid if you're listening 
that is you. You're the friend. So sometimes I'd be like, hey, dude, fire. How do you how do I do that? And he would just like do a little sketch for me or show me something that he had done. So, yeah, I had to I had to definitely put in a little bit more time and research and training to get the effects pretty good as I was on the job. But towards Mm -hmm. the middle and end of it, I felt very confident. And you realize no matter what the style, there are certain things that always kind of look the same and effects and you can kind of pull and and make it feel a part of the world and yeah it was a unique challenge but now that I'm a character designer it's one of the things that I miss the most you know like seeing seeing a kind of vague drawing in a board and then being like how do I make this work because it's Mm -hmm. it's like designing action and energy a lot of the time Mm-hmm. And it's 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 hard to grasp, but once you once you get into it, it's so much fun. So you've been in the industry for over three years now, correct? You you mm-hmm. said you started in 2017, and in that like relatively short time span, you've already done a lot for yourself. Working for Cartoon Network, working for Nickelodeon, doing panels, doing talks. To me, that's just amazing how much can be done and how fast animation also moves. But one of the things that I think it's like really amazing, especially in your looking at your resume and portfolio is that how do you feel knowing that you have worked on two big shows, Craig of the Creek and the Casa Grandes that are honestly really meaningful for kids who can watch these shows with main characters that look like them that they can honestly connect to, especially in this time right now when we're looking for more diverse shows, more diverse voices. And like, uh, yeah, these kids of color looking at a character that looks like them. Like, how do you feel knowing that you were a part of two big shows like that? You know, to be honest, when I was out of school, I was just eager to work on whatever was the first show that would hire me, which yeah. happened to be Craig of the Creek. I was an intern on Adventure Time and a lot of the crew ended up going to Craig of the Creek. So at first I was definitely just like, cool, they've hired me. Uh, great. I'll do a good job. Mm-hmm. And then when the episodes were coming out, I realized like there were so many people of color that were really identifying to either specific situations or or things they weren't used to seeing in animation, you know, retweeting it, saying how special and important it was. And then me realizing, you know, like the crew is incidentals. And so when you look at all the incidentals in the show, it's so diverse. There are so many different people from different backgrounds and realizing that myself and then seeing people online also praise it and saying how important it was. And they've never seen, you know, this or that situation, or it looks like their family. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a big deal. I'm so thankful that this was my first show, but also I realized that I want to continue being on shows that have that kind of diversity and representation. So then when I was testing for the Casa Grandes and I got to see all the characters for that, you know, Ronnie Ann's best friend is a girl named Sid and she's half Asian, half white. And I'm like, that's me. And this is literally the first time I've seen a cartoon like that. You know, Sid is around mm-hmm. the same age as my little sister, um, who is also half white, half Asian. And I'm like, how sad is it that I've been watching cartoons for 29 years? And this is like the first character I can think of that looks like my little sister and me, you know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. really important. And it's important that you have people like me being a character designer that's also trying to give people those situations where they're like, that character looks like me and I haven't really seen this before. And I'm so glad that, you know, my crew on Casa Grandes is also very diverse. They're also very inclusive. At this point, I'm like, this is kind of a must for my shows going forward. You know, if if I have yeah. the choice, I want to continue this because mm-hmm. it feels really wonderful. Yeah, I can only mm-hmm. I can only imagine. And then for yourself as well, like, do you feel like your cultural influence 
influences the art that you create as well, whether on the job or in your in your personal art afterwards? You know, when I can, I'll try to make lots of Asian incidentals. I've already put my whole family in there, you know? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yay. You know, I, I got awesome. to do a part where I got to design my mom and my stepdad and my little sister as a biracial couple with a biracial kid. And that's great. Like, even if it's just like a quick audience shot, it's a quick audience shot that reflects real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, unfortunately, there are some shows where it's just like the whole cast is white and you like can't find a single person of color, like for a long time. And that'll mm -hmm. never happen in either of the shows that I've worked on. You won't go the whole episode thinking like, was there a single person that looked like me? Mm -hmm. That's just a thing of the past with these shows. So that's super mm -hmm. important. And it, it feels really great to, to know that my name is on them and that I've helped out in a small way. Uh, Micah and Yukina, we all went to the same school. We went to San Jose State. And she was like, the vice president of the Shrooken Headman Club, which is the animation club on campus. And since I know my guy, she's always been ridiculously hardworking. She knows how to network. She knows how to talk in front of people. She's very charismatic. Uh, the thing that I feel like is kind of really, really crazy is that you've had like a plethora of internships under your belt. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like the whole podcast could probably just be talking about your internship experiences. How do you think you made yourself stand out to be selected for these opportunities? I did do a lot of internships, probably too many. Um, <laughs> it was a <laughs> lot. So my first internship was at Nickelodeon in 2015 on the Fairly Odd Parents, And that was my very first one, my very first taste of the animation industry. And it was the mm -hmm. best. Uh, the Nickelodeon internship is so good. If you're listening mm -hmm. to this and you are eligible to apply, just apply and keep applying and cross your fingers, you know. And then after that, I was over at PlayStation. It was an interesting situation actually I had my choice between PlayStation and Hallmark and Hallmark was going to be in Kansas City Missouri and they were going to give me like a huge stipend to move and it was like a very handsomely paid internship <laughs> and I would have been like designing cards and everything and like doing illustrations which was cool but then PlayStation also reached out and they were working on the game Concrete Genie, which is out now. Um, mm -hmm. It's very creative, mm -hmm. very beautiful. And when I went in for that interview, I was able to see some of the artwork and it floored me. I mean, it is so creative and refreshing, unlike anything I'd ever seen in games. So I really wanted to do that one too. They offered me a production internship and I said, actually, I have this art internship that I'm also debating going to. If you can make this an art internship, then I'll pick PlayStation. So they said, okay, it's a production internship, but it's also an art internship and you can do art. And I was like, all right, I'll stay. So wow. I stayed in the Bay Area up in San Mateo and I worked at PlayStation as an internship, which then turned into a contract job. And then after that, I uh, did two internships at the same time, DreamWorks TV and Cartoon Network. It was Adventure Time at Cartoon Network and King Julian and Puss in Boots over at DreamWorks. So it was technically mm. three shows at the same time. Oh, it was a lot. I learned oh. so much. And I, it was also my final year of school. So my final BFA year. And I was trying to do a thesis project and all my classes on top of these three shows. And that was... That was a lot. So you know what? I think if you have um, a choice of two internships, don't try to do them both at the same time. Just you'll be OK with one, I think, because that was <laughs> a lot. It's honestly such a blur. Every single minute of every day was packed. 
So in case that was all way too much, the internships I've had, Nickelodeon, PlayStation, DreamWorks TV, and Cartoon Network. I think what made me stand out, at least the first time, because the hardest is when you don't have any internships under your belt and you know, you mm-hmm. just have what you've done in school. I pretty much exhausted every single opportunity at school. A- anything I could have possibly helped out with, I did. I-, I was vice president of the Shrunken Headman Club. There was this show called Green Ninja, where mm-hmm. it's an animated ninja or sometimes live action ninja talking about mm-hmm. like, you know, how to help the environment. And I-, I helped out with that as a producer and also an art director and an artist. Just being involved with clubs, doing short films, side projects, anything where where people said, hey, we could use some help. I was there. And so by the time internship season came around, I was able to show here is everything that I could have gotten involved in at school. And I did it. So I've done everything I can in school and now I'm ready for my next step in my career, which is an internship. So I think once you demonstrate that you've been as involved as possible in school and you're ready for that next step, like that's a great way to present yourself. I can help you because of, you know, how many things I've done and all of these skills I've gained with organization and communication from everything I've been involved in, but also you can help me because I've already done everything I can and I'm ready for that next step. And here's why. And also with my cover letters, at a certain point, I had a kind of like template, but I would make sure I thought about the company I was applying for and like, really, why did I want to work for them specifically? I think when you can target your cover letter to why Nickelodeon specifically, I can write about how I doodled Danny Phantom in the margins of my notebooks and it was my dream to get slime. Like thinking about the specific company and then channeling that into your cover letter so it's genuine and it shows why you want to work for them. Because I think a lot of cover letters are like, this is why I want to work in animation. But when you can show the specifics of the company or studio and why it's important to you, I think that really helps you stand out. So what was the most important thing that you learned from these internships that you feel really carried over to your professional work as an industry artist? I think there are a couple things. The The first thing that I learned is that people are super friendly and they want to help you and talk to you. So ask somebody out to coffee, ask them for, you know, to have lunch with you. People love to talk and they love to help. Most people in animation are just the friendliest people you'll ever meet. And that's something I have carried, you know, through my professional life is if I'm feeling intimidated about asking so-and-so to help me with something or even even on my own show on Casa Grandes, I was a little nervous to tell the directors like, yes, I'm a character designer, but I'm interested in story storyboarding and story revisions. Can can you help me? I had sat on asking them about that for months, maybe even like a year. I was like, ah, this I'm, they're just going to see me as a bother. And as soon as I asked, they set me up with a license for Toon Boom Storyboard Pro. They gave me tips and then they gave me an assignment. And I was like, whoa, like everyone is so <laughs> down to help awesome. out. So like, don't be afraid. Um, to reach out or talk to people because everyone's so warm and friendly. And then I also think communication. As an intern, you have to talk to so many people. I remember during one of my internships, like one of my jobs was to go around with a clipboard and have everyone just sign their time cards. And 
at first I was like really anxious to interrupt people and be like, can you sign this? I'm sorry. And do it every week. And by the end, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about that anymore. It's just like communicating is part of the job. You're going to have to talk to so many different people in different departments to have a show up and running. And so I think that was a really important thing I learned. Those soft skills. Yeah. Yeah, Soft soft skills. skills. That's what it is. For the most part, in your career so far, you have worked as a designer, whether it was for characters or props. But throughout the entire podcast, you've been talking about doing revisions for Big City Greens. So right now you're actually transitioning to doing more story by doing these revisions and doing revisions on Casa Grandes. What sparked that transition from character designs to story? Pretty much everyone I meet is like, oh, you're a character designer? I thought you were a storyboarder. And I think... (laughs) (laughs) literally everyone and even my bosses both art directors I've had on my full-time jobs as a designer have said like oh have you considered story you seem like you'd be a great story artist because you're so funny oh thank you (laughs) I, I guess it is like something in my personality or the way I carry myself I don't know everyone just kept always asking me that even when I was leaving Craig of the Creek you know Matt and Ben told me, let us know if you're ever interested in writing because we see your comics and you're you're funny and I think you'd be a great writer. And I was like, what? I was already crying because I was like leaving the show. Like, you're giving me another compliment? And you know. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's something I've been sitting on, but like up till now, I haven't had that much free time and I've been really focused. Like I want to do my job well. Like I want to be amazing at my job before I kind of split my focus or try learning something else or diving deeper into this. And I I finally got to a point where I felt super confident with my designs on Casa Grande's. You know, the style feels like second nature to me. And I was doing all these comics in my spare time. Like in August, I did one comic every day, pretty much. And I was having a lot of fun with it. And like my social media following grew more than it ever had when I was doing these. I thought they were pretty dumb little comics. They were very fast for me. But like my art director on Casa Grande said, hey, you know, you have something really special here. The way you see the world is really weird and funny. (laughs) And I was like, thanks. And he was like, you should really consider being a storyboarder. And it's like, it's a weird conflicting feeling to have your art director be like, you should look in a story, but it's something I've heard over and over and over again throughout my life. And finally, I was like, all right, here I go. I'm giving it a real shot. So, you know, like I said, I messaged my directors and I've done a little bit of um, storyboards on my own. Like in school, I took a, a semester of a storyboard class and I've done like film studies and composition studies, but I haven't done that much, you know, like I, I don't have that many mm-hmm. projects or experience. And so I didn't expect them to just give me revisions to do. You know, I was like, I- I'm really interested in helping out, you know, with the show at some point. But I would just I would love if I could maybe learn from you or or sit in on some meetings or something. And they just they took it 100 percent and they just immediately trusted me completely. And I was so flattered. And I got, you know, I was helping out with cleanup and and some notes and everything. And from there, uh, I just kind of really fell in love with it. I love the acting. I love it's still, you know, there's still a lot of the elements of character design in there. But to be able to plus things and add humor and really bring the characters to life is so very rewarding to me. And I'm really glad that I've been able to explore it more. I'm still not sure if I would ever make like a 100% transition, but I do think in the future, 
I would love to try show running someday or even having my own pilot or short or something, you know, some some sort of position where I, I am a leader. And mm-hmm. I know that having a story background is really important for that. You know, most of the people who get shows or pilots or shorts uh, have some sort of story or writing background. So it was uh, an important goal for me to try to accomplish. And no, I think you're doing an yeah. amazing job. Thank you. When I saw that you posted that you were going to transition your story or do more like looking for like revision work, I thought that was super, super cool. Because like jokingly, I've said it before, but I'm, I'm still trying to transition Yuki to story. Because <laughs> I also <gasps> think Yuki would be amazing. You'll never get me, Ray. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> to- totally separate. But like Colton actually messaged me and was like, hey, you should check out this storyboarding class. Because he's trying to make me move to L.A. Because he's sad that everybody's like separated so he's like Aww. hey you should try a storyboarding class and like my friends are in storyboarding and i think you'd be really good at it i'm like dude i don't want to do storyboard. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so hard like it, i'm able so to scary ray you guys are magicians right? i don't i don't, I don't get, get it, it. <laughs> even when i'm doing these revisions and touching up things i'm like how did you choose this shot? How did you do this background? How did you put all of this together to tell a beautiful story? It takes an unfathomable amount of skill. And I am so in awe of you. I'm just, I'm dabbling over here, like doing little fixes. And I just like can't wrap my head around ever actually doing a whole board. It's amazing. <laughs> mm. No, it, it gets you. I'm hoping that uh, it'll eventually get you. <laughs> It looks exhausting, Ray. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it does look like so much. Uh, it's a lot. Also, like it's it's a lot of brain power. It's a lot of yeah. things to think about. But you've kind of touched upon like you don't see yourself maybe fully transitioning. But is there is there a possibility of you transitioning fully into story and doing freelance character design as like on the side? Or do you think you're always going to stick with design? And you mentioned like you want to move to show running or pitching a pilot, things like that. But what are the future aspirations for Micah in the animation industry? That's interesting. I I love everything in animation. You know, at this point, I've done quite a few different jobs. I was able to do some like painting and color work too on Craig of the Creek with the title cards. I loved that. Mm. You know, as long as I'm employed in animation, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But as far as specifics, if I had my ideal, I, I would love to try freelancing a whole board at one point. I think doing a board driven show would be real fun because the part that's most appealing to me is writing the jokes Mm. uh being funny Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff (laughs) so like in that way i think uh, a board like just one board driven episode at some point in my career where i'm the one writing the jokes that would be like kind of a career goal for me but i do see how boarding can burn people out and it's scary to see because i don't feel that way as a designer you know i talk to my board friends and they're like yeah i had to pull an all-nighter or yeah i worked through the weekend again and i'm just like that doesn't happen to me. It only happens when I decide to take on freelance work, but that has never happened, you know, as a part of my job. And it seems like an unfortunate reality with boarding, pretty much without exception. <laughs> and I don't think that's sustainable mm-hmm. as much as I love the idea of boarding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could make 
like a full-time transition. I mean, I say that now, who knows what's going to happen in a few years. But yeah, I think for now, I, I would love to move into like a supervising design position, supervising characters, props and effects, and kind of having like a little circle of people I'm mentoring or even be mm -hmm. able to pick, you know, kind of some green talent to be on my team where I can teach them things and, you know, some freelance boards. And if I'm still feeling the call and I just, I can't rest because I need to be writing those jokes and being the person who's drawing it from, <laughs> from the script or the outline. I could see that happening too. You know, it's, <laughs> I have too many things I like in animation. I'm like, I've got like, I don't know, I can't focus. Like all of it, please. <laughs> no, well, from like the sounds of it, you're doing really well for yourself. Like I mentioned before, you're like in your, in your third year, entering your fourth year, and you're already doing a lot of amazing things. So I can only see what the future really holds for you, Micah. Oh, thank you. Wow. This podcast <laughs> is so nice at complimenting me. Thank you. <laughs> we mentioned before you went to San Jose State uh, University. What influenced your decision to choose SJSU over a private art school? Uh, the answer is weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go to CalArts mm. uh, and then I asked my parents and they said no. <laughs> Is it too expensive? It's too expensive. It's like, what mm -hmm. is it? It's like 80K a year now That's or something. Really... It's a lot. Mm. And my dad was in the military for 25 years. And when that happens, you get, if they get a certain amount of disability, all tuition at public state schools are free. So mm -hmm. they said, you are not going to CalArts. You are going to a state school. The end. So, <laughs> so I was on, I was on DeviantArt. And I think I, I like made a journal post like I can't go to CalArts. I need to go to a state school. And somebody named Cheeto, <laughs> somebody named Cheeto wrote, go to nice. San Jose State. They have animation and illustration. I did not apply anywhere else. <laughs> I did not do any research. Yeah. Yeah. I did not. I did not visit the school. I just applied to San Jose State University and got in knowing nothing just because somebody named Cheeto on <laughs> I love this story this is the best yes. <laughs> yes. so that's why that's why I went to San Jose State <laughs> that's perfect beautiful we gotta thank Cheeto thanks Cheeto and, uh, <laughs> I never got to meet Cheeto because they ended up transferring out I never got Aww. to meet them I know I still don't know who they are oh I don't know their gosh. real name who are they? Mystery Who's Cheeto? Person. If you're listening to this, you're the reason why I went there and probably the reason why my whole career unfolded like this. So Cheeto, if you're out there, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of wrap it up, what final advice do you have for students that want to pursue a career in animation? You have to make sure you really, really want it. I've seen people kind of like look into animation like, oh, this is something that seems cool because I like cartoons. Maybe I'll poke around. But it's, you know, a lot of people want to work in this industry and it's really hard sometimes to train yourself up enough to have the skills, the constant, constant hustle of trying to find work. And even if you do have a job, you know, the unfortunate reality is that a job might last a couple years at best before you have to hustle and find a new one. So make sure you're really, really want it. You have to commit 
because it's going to be hard sometimes. You're going to have a lot of questions and at sometimes it's going to be like, I've taken this thing that I used to love for myself and now it's work and it's a weird, complicated feeling. But if you can remember that you love animation and you can remind yourself how badly you want it, if you can get through all that and finally get to the point where you're in the studios and you've got your job, it's the most fun you'll ever have in your life. I mean, I look forward to my work every day. It is it is so rewarding and so great. But just, you know, make sure you have to constantly remind yourself, like, you have to put a lot into it to get there. As far as other advice for just, like, getting in, please especially with the pandemic happening right now, get your social media set up, post your art all the time, you know, do your research on what's being made right now in cartoons. Sometimes people have me do a portfolio review because they want to work in animation and it's just like still lives and realistic paintings. And you have to know what's being made now. Your work has to be able to fit into that world in some way and, you know, then post it and connect with people on social media because that's how people are going to remember you. And, you know, when the time comes for you to get a job or an internship, if you've been posting and connecting with people doing LinkedIn, you know, maybe somebody will recommend you through word of mouth, or maybe somebody who's hiring will recognize your name from you being active in the animation community. So those are also really important to do as you're getting in. Excellent. That's wonderful. Great advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug? You can find me at Yes, Micah. And because there's no way you'll know how to spell that just from (laughs) hearing it, it's at Y-E-S-M-A-A-I-K-E. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I've got LinkedIn. Please don't find my Facebook and add me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'd love to connect. Um, You know, if you have a question, feel free to email me. I try to get to them in a timely manner. Sometimes they sit there for a bit, but. I love helping people and answering questions. Uh, I love being the resource that I wish I had when I was a student. Don't hesitate. Like I said, animation people love hearing themselves talk. So we love to help (laughs) out. We love to chat. Please, please uh, reach out. Oh, entirely. I always say because like it's such a hard industry to get into when people make it in. They're like, I did it. And they want to tell someone always, like all the time, anytime. Just ask them. Yeah. Oh yeah, when we were when we were students and we would watch like the the people guest lecture or people that graduated a few years earlier and then they came back and made it. I would watch them and like I would be like more than anything, I can't wait to come back and be the person who tells you you can do it too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. to be on the other side of that, like I just I couldn't wait to be like helpful and inspiring and friendly. And I'm doing it. You're doing I think. It. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're you're for sure doing it. Yay! Perfect. If you enjoyed our interview with Micah today, please rate us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP, and let us know your response to today's in between questions. Or if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at StraightAheadPodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests please contact us. We love discovering new artists and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Bye.